Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. That's, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to talk to you. And discuss UFC London from this past weekend. Got a little bit of boxing. There was some boxing this morning. It is Tuesday. Anaya anyway, uh, just proclaiming his dominance over all of the lighter weight classes in the um, boxing world. But uh, we got a little bit, you know, we, we have a full UFC card. There's a lot of fights on Saturday. Uh, they had to even move a fight up to the main card because shit was taking too long. But my <laughs> name is Matt McSweeney. Like I said, this is the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast brought to you by the Hot Take Hot Box. I am joined by Ty Capone. Ty, how are you feeling today on this glorious Tuesday afternoon? It is not that nice up here. How is it down there in Pete's? It's uh, it's pretty nice. It's just, you know, hot as always, 90s, and uh, yeah, it's, it's too hot. I, I need I need some seasonal action, but... Well, listen, we it's uh, it was kind of... Uh, it was a kind of, I don't know how to describe, not boring necessarily, but some of these fights really did put you in a snooze fest. Uh, that being the UFC London card from this past weekend. <laughs> We're going to get right into it. There was, I can't believe there's 15 fights. Like that, that's yeah. very rare that they do that many. And then some weekends you do, you get nine and you have like 16 video packages in between each, uh, each fight. And you're like, oh my God, like. This fight or this weekend, you didn't even have any time to go get a drink or something. You were coming back, and they were already <laughs> walking the next dude out. You're like, "Whoa!" They were churning them out quick. I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" Like they they were they were playing no games, so that was kind of funny. And uh, you know, these first couple ones they went pretty quick, so they could have used these earlier on in the night to kind of move things along. But Tom Aspinall took care of business very early on against Marcin Tybora. Um, unrelated, and I'm just gonna say this because this is exactly my thought before the fight started. Why is Mark Goddard doing this? They're doing this fight. Like, isn't there a little bit of a conflict of interest there? Just, I guess not. Just a tiny bit, though. Like, <laughs> it didn't really come into play because Tybor got absolutely sparked. But you know, I don't know. I just when I when I first saw it, I'm like, well, he's gonna be like, fight back, Tybor, fight back. I mean, he and he got right in there, but it wasn't uh, a bad stoppage because Tybor got smoked immediately. Yeah, uh, Aspinall. Quick work. Moving, I mean, he's just head and shoulders above that guy, and we knew that going into this. It was just kind of, how was this going to go? I thought Aspinall might have took a little bit longer to uh, wade his way into this uh, battle, but it really, it, there was really no sort of rust or buffer uh, period. It was a minute thirteen. It was a right hand put him down, and then uh, you know, I think he hit him on the way down, and it was just, it, it was curtains very early on here for uh, Marcin Tybora. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, what, what did you think? I mean, really, there's not much to think other than Aspinall domination. Yeah, easy work. I mean, he looked quick. He looked like what everybody wanted him to look like. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess he's he's probably next up, right? I don't know if he gets Pavlovich or he gets the winner of of uh, John and Stipe. I think that should be probably Pavlovich who's next. I agree. Um, it sucks for Tom, you know, did lose a whole year on his, um, you know, rise to the uh title shot so but i mean after that he's there's no i mean the ufc's uh the heavyweight division's kind of uh kind of had a decent little resurgence i feel like i mean you have jail Almeida, who's kind of on the outside specs, man. 
outside looking in, right? And then you'll have Arsenal and Pavlovich. Uh, and then Sirogan still should be up there. I just don't know, you know, I don't know where he stands as of right now. John Jones had an interesting tweet about the heavyweights and the young heavyweights. Then he deleted them in uh, typical John Jones, Conor McGregor fashion. That they're, they're the kings of that. It's um, it's always a good time when they're tweeting because you know you're going to miss it. Do they but, not realize though that they, everybody <laughs> just screenshots them and just holds on yeah, to them now? Like uh, two seconds right after, you know. Yeah, I so. don't. Nah, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean that's probably the top guys, and I think you know Aspel could give John Jones some problems with his hand speed. I think he's not like Cyril Gone, where you know his, his hands aren't that great and he doesn't go for it. Aspel goes for it quick, man. He makes quick work of most guys. So him, Pavlovich. I don't know, man. I mean, if John hangs around long enough, somebody's going to, you know, to give him an L, right? I don't think he's, he's not, going um, to, though. Right. He's probably. Do you think he's done after Stipe? Yes. He knows. Listen, he knows what's coming with these guys, these Pavlovich, <laughs> Aspinall, yeah. Almeida on the on the horizon. He doesn't want nothing to do with this. And, and he's a smart guy. He's not an idiot. He's going to get out of here before he has to get truly tested at heavyweight. He'll be able to go and say, look, I beat Ghana. You know, like, like you said, that, that tweet, like... You know, oh, he was the man before, and but everybody really knew what was. I mean, I did. You know, like it was that guy has no wrestling, and, and Stipe is forty. So, really, if you were going to truly test yourself at heavyweight against one of these other these young killers, then I think that would hold more weight uh, when when we look back on this years from now about him moving up in weight. But I, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He still did it. He went up. He won the championship, and that that will always. Uh, be on his you know resume, be a part of his legacy. It just uh, it's a shame because I think there's gonna be there could be some fun fights here. Like I just don't. It's those three names we just named. I like. I mean Aspinall. I could see a way that he loses. It just he kind of. I don't know. He just has that like English. I, I guess I'm a I'm a big like fader of the English uh, fighters. Not a fader, I would say, just more of like a non-believer because. Aspinall just seems like a guy who hasn't truly been tested yet. And he's going to get in there at some point against somebody who's like going to be able to push back a little bit. I mean, he is a unit of a guy, though. Uh, you know, right there around the 265, I think he was two, right at 260, I think, this past uh, week. Uh, he's 6'5", you know, he, he, he moves quick, he's, his hands are fast, He uh, but he does hold his chin up in the air a little bit, and... If he fights one of the, like somebody like a Pavlovich who is just like that's going to be the quickest fight of all time, I think the first person to get yeah. hit is just going to go first to sleep. Uh, I guess that's that's what's exciting to me. Not not so much this John Jones and Stipe fight because I think both retire after it, and it leads uh, the heavyweight division in kind of a uh, just a, a upper grabs kind of thing. But that that's going to open it up for an Aspinall, Pavlovich, and Almeida, or one of those other guys, you know. I could see him beating Pavlovich by uh, using his wrestling and kind of just uh, doing what um, Overeem did to him a while ago. Aspinall will be tough, man, because he's good with his hands um, and he's got a you know pretty good ground game too. Uh, kind of like Almeida. Almeida's just like a power. He's just uh, all power, brute strength, force of nature is what he is. Um, he's fighting somebody soon, right? Blades. I just forget who. Yeah, Curtis Blades. So. That'll be. I mean, also, I think Volkov and Spivak, or is it Gon? Doesn't Gon have a fight? He's at France, right? He's fighting Sergey Spivak, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and then you have Derek Lewis 
you know, he's going to get up. He's going to get sent to retirement, I think, this weekend, too. But, um, yeah, I think there's some decent uh, heavyweight prospects. Other than that, though, I guess it's kind of hard to see who else there is outside of those top three. Um, maybe Mick Parkin? Yeah, that's going to take a little bit. Uh, and, and like you said, like, Gon's there. He's gonna. You're going to have to take him out to re- – yeah. like, I mean, he's still at number two. He worked his way up there, so he's earned his spot. But there are some – I mean, even – like you said, Spivak, like he – although, you know, he's – not really, uh, like, not super exciting when you, like, look on from the outside in, but he's put, a, he's put a little bit of a, a run together here, and he's kind yeah. of dominated some of these guys he's fought. And he's a, he's a massive man, so it's heavyweight, like you said, it's kind of gotten a little bit uh, more exciting uh, as of recent than it, it has in the past. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I, I get, Like we said, uh, I think Aspinall... Should not be jumping these Pavlovich and even an Al. I mean Almeida. Not he's not there yet. I guess he's already ahead of him. So Almeida's going to need to do something big against Curtis Blades. Maybe maybe just finish him, and I think he'll he'll be good because you could argue. Look, Almeida finished Blades, and Aspinall lost the Blades, although freak injury. But still, a win against uh, Tybora, who was number ten, shouldn't get you a title shot straight away. If uh, all things were fair, but. I guess that's a conversation to be had. I mean, this is kind of, kind of, everything's going to be in a holding pattern now until November, right? Is that when the the John Jones fight is? I think, I think uh, so. September, October, November. One of those fall months was when this fight. You can tell how excited I am for it. I don't even know when the fuck it is, but <laughs> uh, not that I'm not excited for it. It just like doesn't have the same pop it did three years ago. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you know what's Steve been doing these last couple of years? Yeah, you know, putting out fires. Yeah, so, and, and maybe he's training know. and everything, but. Your your body at some point just says you know like and the last time we saw him he was getting his head obliterated through the canvas so it's kind of <laughs> hard for me to be excited about you getting a title shot against the consensus greatest of all time so yeah. I'm not gonna get all that excited about that but a uh, great win for Aspinall he did look good I don't want to take that away from him and um, I, I guess for Tybora he just kind of goes back to where he was and just kind of hangs out in that. Uh, co-main event spot where he's going to be fighting a Volkov or Jarzinho or, you know, like one of those ranked heavyweights that kind of just, you know. Greg Hardy. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, he, Greg <laughs> Hardy. Who knows? What is Greg Hardy doing these days? Uh, he's at Walmart. He Works is. Walmart. And he's also fighting in, in, in team events for boxing. So that's <laughs> something to consider. But uh, how about Julia GSP Stolyarenko getting another <laughs> Another, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, arm bar submission, this time over Meatball, I almost said something disrespectful, Meatball Molly McCann. Uh, Listen, I want to apologize personally. I thought Molly McCann at least would be able to comport herself with a little bit of dignity and class and somewhat understand that of her 10 fucking wins in mixed martial arts in her career, all... Ten submissions have been arm bars. Like, what else is there to say? Like, you avoid the arm bar. Keep your arms close. I don't think that's that hard. But, you know, I'm just a guy. And I see a lot of people, you know, oh, well, she rolled over to the top and stuff. And then other jiu-jitsu people are like, well, you don't understand the game. Go roll. Listen. Either way, she was screwed. Okay, she had her tried to get her hands wrapped up, and uh, like I don't, she almost was out of it, and then she was just kind of leaving her arm. Like I don't know, it just it seemed like a complete lack of awareness. She obviously had no takedown defense. 
She had no idea what this girl's whole game was because she came out and tried to throw just uh, a Mike Tyson hook to start the fight, <laughs> and that didn't go well. So it was kind of once she goes to the mat, it's kind of done. And you made mention of that before that that's why you took the submission. That it's just kind of she got taken down what seven times against I forget the uh, Lara Procopio. Lara Procopio. I was gonna be about to say Larissa Pacheco, but that. Not the same person. Shout out. Yeah, a little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. Shout out, though. Uh, but listen, man. Meatball Molly's now going to go down to 115. I don't think that's the problem. Uh, <laughs> Tim Welch, we, we were talking about that before, <laughs> says that maybe she should try a jiu-jitsu class. I, I think she's trying. I don't want to be that disrespectful. I think she is somewhat training, but there's something missing here. Like, there's... I don't know if there's a lack of respect for the grappling element of this, but, uh, you know, we see this sometimes in fighters. They just are so one-dimensional and kind of just hone in on being the exciting, like, uh, I don't know. I thought in my dumb brain that after you got fucking mollywopped by Aaron Blanchfield that you'd be like, you know what, I need to improve this part of my game. You know, like, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to work on my, you know, defensive wrestling, my defensive grappling, and kind of just try to, you know, make some adjustments. That was eight months ago. She looked worse in this fight than she did Aaron Blanchfield, in the Aaron Blanchfield fight. Aaron Blanchfield took longer to take her out than Julia Stolyarenko did. So, yeah, move down. Maybe you'll uh, have a better uh, shot at what? Muscling takedowns off you? I don't know, man. She's cooked. Never betting her again. <laughs> She's uh, <laughs> I was. I liked uh, the use of the molly. Well, that was good. Uh, I didn't mean to do that, but it kind of just came out, you know? I see what you did. I see what you did. Um, who who do you got to fight between Molly McCann and um, Vanessa Demopoulos? It's a tough one. I mean, Molly McCann probably be favored, right? I mean, she's at least got somewhat of a at least more experience, but but at least Reed. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, these are all women that are just going to stand there and throw bombs, right? Like, I I don't know. Is Elise Reed a 15-er? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Elise Reed might beat her. <laughs> She's like, what? She's 34, I think, 33. So, um, yeah, I mean, just not a great look. I mean, listen, they kind of gave us I, – I said how they kind of set her up with this chick who's 1-5 in, in the UFC, but she's she had, um, like, just a stylistic matchup that people were kind of underestimating. I mean, it was, you know, it seems obvious enough arm bar boss, but she's much bigger and way stronger than her. Like she got that takedown easily and just kind of was just smothering her after that. And while was standing, she was actually beating Molly for what it was worth. I mean, they didn't throw many strikes, but yeah, while they were on the feet, she, you know, she won every second of that fight. So, um, it wasn't close. She got the takedown right to the back take. And then she transitioned to an arm bar. It's funny. She almost, you know, if Molly defended it well enough, she would have probably been on top. But um, she didn't know. What, like you said, she didn't really know what to do, and uh, she panicked too. That that like you could just tell that the, as soon as the grappling became a part of this, she was just panicking. Like I just don't understand it because the, these last two girls she fought were complete specialists, and you should have been. I don't know who's what's wrong with the coaching or if that that's part of the issue, but they are just. A complete lack of respect and preparation for these parts of the game and this this element of mixed martial arts because it is mixed martial arts. Well, when you train with Patty Pimblett and you know, Chris Fishgold, 
that's uh you know a recipe for disaster some would say that's not <laughs> but who am i baby who am i uh how about nathaniel wood kind of taking care of business against andre feely this fight was uh what was the scorecards I, I i did not hear the scorecards i was listening to a lot of this on uh, mute so i didn't get to see a lot of this but i thought it was close i thought it was 29 28 but yeah, I think that's what it was all. It should around. be all three, right? Because I think three wins. I think Wood won one and three. Yeah, that's what that's what I had, and that was my instinct. Pretty good fight, honestly. I thought so too. I thought it was a close fight. I thought it was a good fight. Just Nathaniel Wood took care of business in that third round, and uh, Feely looked good on the on his feet, and uh, you know his hands were hurting him a little bit, but it just wasn't enough. Nathaniel Wood, like you said, though, he was he's used to fighting bigger guys, longer guys, and he was able to get in there and get his shots off, and. Uh, you know, those takedowns weren't really, uh, landing for Feely like he had in the, um, was his last fight, which was one of the ones he was taking people down in, but, uh, Jordan, yeah, Jordan, uh, yeah. So good win for Nathaniel Wood. I really don't have much to say. It was just a, uh, uh, it was a close fight though. And did this win fight of the night? No, no, I think, I think, um, Danny Robertson, then one fight of the night. I don't know about that, but. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what, uh, sleep, they're asleep at the wheel over here in London, I guess, but there wasn't yeah, much work. options. But how about Paul Craig, the Bear Jew, with an absolutely dominant uh, ground-and-pound finish over Andre Muniz uh, late in that second round? Andre Muniz, man. Uh, I, I made a tweet. This is one of the only tweets I had on Saturday because I like to save a lot of my thoughts for this podcast because otherwise then I just tweet everything out and there's what's the point of listening to this. I mean, how, how many times am I going to fall for this? This guy is not that good. He, I, he really has no, uh, like discernible skill that he has an advantage in other than people who have no idea how to, how to do jujitsu, I guess. And maybe old men like Jacare that he can get his shit off on. Other than that, I mean, it just seems like he's hit an absolute brick wall after he fought Uriah uh, Hall. And after that, it was just n- like nothing. Uriah Hall retired, I believe, after yeah, that. And, just like, just like Jacare did. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it's just been downhill ever since. And he did, it's not even, he doesn't even look like, uh, it looks like a shell of himself after the first three, four minutes of the fight. And he didn't even really look that good on the feet. I thought he was going to have the advantage uh, in the stand up. And I mean, he made Paul Craig look like a world class striker in there. So it, it really, Paul Craig, you know, he looked good at eighty five. I will say, I thought he was going to be much more uh, emaciated, I guess, and just kind of look like a shell of himself. But he really looked like, uh, you know, he he looked like he put the weight back on fine. He didn't gas out, you know, like he. Did, I mean, he got hit and he kind of uh, took it very well compared to what he was doing at two hundred five. So. Maybe he does find a home here at uh, at eighty five. I, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't believe it yet because I. I'm not a big. You know, Andre Muniz has shown that he's really not uh, at this upper echelon level of the uh, eighty five UFC division. So, uh, but I mean, it's a good win. I mean, I mean a TKO, a, a plus. You know, a plus thousand. You know, and above for Paul Craig. Yeah, imagine having a, having a play on that. Jeez. Guy I was with did. Um, I was like, "Are you kidding me, man?" Shout out Nelson. He, he, <laughs> he pissed me off with that, but you know, hey, good yeah, for him. He brutal. won money, so. Um. Yeah, we did not. No, uh, we didn't. Yeah, Muniz, I think, has now been exposed. Paul Craig's about to make his uh 
his his run, man. I think he can beat he can beat Adesanya. Honestly, <laughs> if he can uh, if he can take care of Bo Nickel, I think he can uh, he can beat he can beat Izzy. I just think at least he'll be able to beat some of these uh, scrubs that are at eighty five. Do, uh, do you think he gives Bo Nickel a chance? Not fight? at all. Really? Bo Nickel will knock him out standing standing up, and he'll fall. <laughs> I mean, he's ranked now, which is crazy. He's at he's he's number fourteen. Uh, that's funny. So, like, I don't know what's next for him. You're gonna fight like Brendan Allen or Hermanson or something like that. Like somebody who doesn't have that great of hands. Hermanson would probably be a good option for him if he fought Brunson. Brendan Allen. If he fought Brendan Allen, he'd get smoked. Brunson yeah. fights the Leeds A. Maybe okay. he fights the loser of that. Vittori. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you give Vittori. Chris Curtis. No, I'm just kidding. Honestly, I, if I'm being 100 percent honest, could care less. Uh, Pereira, who Alex? <laughs> oh man, wouldn't that be fun? Let's just do I it. I guess. Let's just yeah. do it. Have the meet at 195 for the first ever 195 championship belt, and just run it, baby. But nah, like in all seriousness, Paul Craig, it, it, it's he just. He, I don't know, man. Like I guess it, I, this for me was more about Muniz just looking like not even. I don't know, like respectable. Like it just, I, I just some of these people I didn't understand their their strategy or their game plan. I I, I have to stop thinking that these people are uh, high level IQ fighters. Uh, a lot of them, so or that their their camps are putting together uh, good game plans, or that I you know these guys are going to have this advantage over this guy. Like no, I need to just stop thinking like that and just kind of play the numbers and just do it do it that way. And that's that's what I got from this one, but. Uh, how about uh, Fares Zaim with a unanimous decision victory over the Black Country banger Jai Herbert? Uh, this this fight didn't really do much for me. Uh, Zaim was the better fighter, the more technical fighter. He got hit a couple times, but nothing really. There was really never it was never close to getting that inside the distance that we were hoping for. But uh, it was a good win for Zaim. Yeah, Herbert kind of just kept going to the body and the legs. He wasn't going to the head. So hard to win fights when you're, uh, you know, landing thirteen percent of your shots to the head. So yeah, and it just seemed like he was not on the technical level of Zayim, and Zayim didn't really have the power to get him out of there. So I wonder what's going to happen to him here at fifty-five. I think he's going to run into a roadblock. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be biblical that night when he gets put down and put to sleep. But. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to wait a little bit for that, I guess. But Lerone Murphy, he uh, he, not really dominant. I think he would he get dropped or very early on in this fight, or at least like wobbled or backed up or called off balance something. But he kind of just it seems like he just puts a pace on people and just kind of wills his way to victory in some aspects of these fights. And he was pushing the takedowns and. He just kind of willed his way to victory here. What was the scorecards? Do you have that uh, readily available? I think 130-27, I'm guessing for the third. Was it the third round? Where did he knock him down? With that butt. He uh, kicked him in the... Oh, leg. that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy, uh, the crazy liver, liver shot. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, uh, I bet that fucking yeah. hurt, too. <laughs> I'm sure it did. It looked, um, it looked... When it first happened, I was like, wait, what was... Like, what, what... what, I thought he, like, hurt his knee or was, like, grabbing his yeah, arm or something, and I was the like... The way he, like, went set, like, way down was weird, but... It's, that's, yeah. It goes um, to show you, though. That's all it takes, man. Yeah. I, listen, I can't... I can't say I would, uh... 
I would walk through that that kind of shot. But third round, he pretty much put it on him, had a couple takedowns. I think he had like eight total minutes of control. He had seven and a half, so good uh, uh, yeah. all-around dominant performance, yeah. Um, David Lethaby was the only one who didn't give him a 30-26, so there you, uh, there you have it. There you go. Uh, Daniel Marcos, that was the main card, ladies and gentlemen. We are now moving on to the prelim part of the discussion, but... Uh, Daniel Marcos wins a split decision over Davy Grant. Uh, this was uh, this was a close one. I thought Daniel Marcos did enough to win, but uh, did did you agree? I at first I didn't. I, I haven't gone back. I haven't watched and it. Again, it. I was rooting also. So yeah, I I thought there was a chance that Davy Grant could have got all three rounds, but they were all kind of close, especially the first. Um. So I mean, I guess I could I could have saw it either way, but just watching it live, I did see why a lot of people um, thought David Grant won. I thought he was just doing better and just um, landing uh, the better, more, just more shots. Um, it did get taken down in the third round, but it wasn't it wasn't. I think he didn't get held down for long. So yeah, I was honestly surprised it didn't go his way, just because it was in um, in London, but. Uh, a lot of people call this a robbery on the X, if you want to call it, not Twitter anymore. Jesus. Um, but, yeah, again, I have to go back and rewatch. I, I was kind of in and out of this fight, doing some things in in the crib. Yeah, but, this was uh, a go-get-a-beverage one uh, for me. And kind of, like, not that I was, like, not that it was, not, nothing against this card, but I had to get up. I couldn't just sit there for seven hours and just sit here. That was brutal, yeah. I need a break, like I, you know. So I'll have to really. I was watching, but I wasn't like watching like I was some of these other ones. And uh, sorry, Daniel, uh, I just you know had to do what I had to do. But uh, I didn't think from watching the with, with one eye that this was a robbery on either side. I thought either either person could have won, and it just happened to be Daniel Marcos, and they were both like putting their hands up, and I think it was Goddard was getting pissed and, like, pulling their hands down, and it was, <laughs> there was a lot of nonsense going on. But No nonsense, Mark Goddard. Yeah. Put your hands down. Uh, but Johnny Parsons, your boy, he, he took some shots here in this one, man. And uh, But Dan- Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts had about, what, four minutes, five minutes in him before he was uh, absolute tostado, and he just – was just emptying the tank as soon as he would even land a couple shots. I mean, he was throwing some heat, but really nothing with any technical straight, you know, shots or it was all looping bombs and just, you know, all energy using shots that came back to bite him later on. Cause Parsons started to put it on him and his defense was radically fading. And Johnny Parsons, you said a Muay Thai coach, you know, and he looked like he knew what he was doing. He just, Kept putting it on him, putting those shots on him, and eventually got Danny Roberts out of there. Yeah, bad, 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 bad on my part. I mean, that's he had knocked down twice last fight. I mean, his chin's just the, gone. He's not young. The concussions uh, didn't fight. affect Mr. Parsons like we had thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't really getting hit too cleanly. You know, a lot was getting partially blocked, and uh, Danny Roberts just as soon as he got hurt, he was like, "Let me just fight even more wild and crazy." And, and uh, the very end of the round, I don't even know. It, it kind of happened so quickly. I was not expecting that. I thought we were going to get a third round, but uh, there he goes, off into the sunset. There he goes, and hopefully he's on the roster watch page so soon, so I don't have to watch 
that nonsense ever again, but or or be uh, tricked into betting him. It's more my fault. But how about Joel Alvarez? T- took care of business for us finally. Uh, we've you know we've been uh, a, a big fan of El Phenomeno for quite some time, and he just kind of put it on to Casey in this one. And he was working for that Dars, and he eventually locked it in. Uh, Casey is some a story they're going to talk about years from now, where a guy who had like. Uh, a good amount of potential and like he had like really had a lot of different skills that he could use. It just never really able to put it together. It seems. And he just gets kind of worked over by uh, Joel Alvarez. So, you know, a good win. I believe he came out wearing the uh, double knee pads, right? It's never a good sign. <laughs> when you see a guy coming out in double knee pads, you're like, oh, fuck. But, um, I think there was an eye poke that the ref missed in this fight that kind of led to, the beginning of the end of the fight, if I remember correctly, uh, who was the ref? Daniel Movahedi. There you go. Guy. He, uh, I think he missed uh, an eye poke that kind of affected the Casey, and then he uh, got darsed right after that. But I th- it just, you know, uh, Alvarez is a lot bigger, more powerful, had more to go to in his arsenal. Uh, he was getting, it was pretty competitive on the feet, honestly, for a little bit. I think Alvarez was hitting him harder and, uh, more frequently, and you know, uh, the better kicks and whatnot. He was just so—he looked so much bigger than him. It was kind of crazy, but yeah, our boy, our, our Spaniard boy. He actually also defended a takedown, so now he has a—he uh, doesn't have a zero percent takedown defense in the UFC anymore. So Alvarez also—he's like, eleven now. There you go. Alvarez also just has no interest in doing any sort of defense of anything. He just is all about <laughs> offense and trying to go for the kill and go for the finish, which I respect, but it's not necessarily the greatest strategy when it comes to uh, longevity and winning in MMA. Uh, you know, it's done, He's done well for himself, though. He's 20-3 and three now, so uh, who am I to take away from him? But it just seems like it's really a uh, kill or be killed, and it's good to bet because I love betting it inside the distance when he's in there. But how about your boy, Mick Parkin? Uh, Mick, we didn't know much about coming into this. He was a, he was a big gentleman. Learned that about him. I uh, learned that he's got pretty good boxing, and his uh, his you know his cardio held up uh, somewhat. So Jamal Pogues, you were saying for a while the Stormtrooper was going to be uh, on the Mount Rushmore of MMA. I, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I, I understand how upset you probably are, but uh, this fight was kind of boring as well. This was just kind of uh, back and forth snooze fest. Yeah. You uh, you akin Pogues boxing to a young Mike Tyson. He didn't. He couldn't really hit. He was swinging an air on a Saturday evening. That's for sure. He, I think he was getting his legs chipped up, and then uh, that was pretty much it. He couldn't move. He wasn't throwing. <laughs> uh, a pretty low level fight. Man. Honestly, yeah, I'm I'm good with seeing him uh, get a nice little developmental deal in the CFFC. But who Mick? <laughs> no, Jamal Pogues. Oh, now yeah, I mean. This this Post, one should not have been uh, this high up on the card. This yeah, should have been the first the fight of the night. Yeah, if anything, I mean, it really shouldn't have been on the card. But you know, what are you gonna do? I'm just I just Similar realized I'm to, 30 uh, feet away from the microphone, so probably nobody heard that. <laughs> but uh, Mahmoud Muradov with a uh, dominant unanimous decision victory over Brian Barbarena. Barbarena looked exactly how we thought he was gonna look, uh, physique wise. Uh, not exactly a lot of muscle put on, just kind of uh, a little bit more blubber. And, uh, you know, he really, I mean, he put up a fight. He didn't just roll over and die in this, but, 
you know, and he, he you know, he Muradov isn't that big for 85, I would say. Would you agree? I mean, it just didn't seem like he had that much of a stature advantage over uh, Barbarena, but it, it didn't really matter. He just, you know, Barbarena's really not on the level of some of these guys. Not much cardio either. He kind of gassed out after yeah. the like sec- second, th- in, in the second. Uh, I mean, thirteen takedowns. That's it's impressive. I like that. You know, thirteen and sixteen. He didn't have much much time contr- of control. Um, but whenever he needed to, you know, mix it up, he he was able to. Because Barbarino walked him down like the whole time. Not that it matters for anything. Because he was getting he was getting you know clipped and chipped every time he came in. So it didn't really matter. He got knocked down. Uh, once in the second, once in the third, um, he got hit with the check left hook, a check right hook. Couldn't uh, get that straight right inside the distance, man. I know, I know, it was brutal. You know, he had a little bit more cardio, or he, you know, went for it a little bit harder. I think he could have, but Barbarina's got an iron chin, man. I think he's definitely going to get put out one day, especially if he fights at middleweight, because um, those guys up there are just so much bigger. But as for uh, as for now, he is he's safe. Brian Barbarina versus Andre Muniz. Who wins? Uh, Muniz. He takes him down for a while and probably subs him. Okay. Well, there you go, Muniz. If you need a win, lock that one in. Uh, call Sean Barbarina Shelby. and Bo Nickel. Who wins? Uh, Bo Nickel. Barbarina. Buy yeah. Bo Nickel however he wants. Uh, <laughs> that's the unfortunate part about this for Mr. Barbarina. It seems like he's in a tough spot here in the UFC. A guy who seems like he's 40, but he's only in his like early 30s who really doesn't have any discernible skill or uh, plus skill for him to, you know, use against other people other than, like you said, his chin and his will. And that's just not going to get you that far. It'll get you you places, but it won't get you that far. How about Ketlin Vieira doing exactly what we wanted her to do and we thought she could do, but she did it against Panny Kianzad. Unanimous decision victory. Really not that exciting. Really kind of boring, but a win is a win. Yeah, she got, I think, one takedown in each round, and that won her pretty much. I guess not every round. She did lose the, um, I don't know what round it was. I think the second, maybe? The third. She, yeah, she did lose the third, because I think she gassed out a little bit, too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was wondering how she'd work, into a, work her wrestling into this, if she'd be able to do it as easily as I thought. She... She was. She got it. She was close to a couple submissions, rear naked chokes, had the back for a little bit, but wasn't able to get it done. Um, but she did get the win, so uh, back to her winning ways she goes. And that is that. Uh, Chris Duncan takes out the Red Fox. Uh, you, A lot of your uh, discussion on the Red Fox was true. He's not that good. Uh, he's not, he, he wasn't, I think the size advantage that Chris Duncan had played a factor as well, but, uh, he just didn't really, uh, like, there was nothing the Red Fox could do to Chris Duncan to get him out of there and, uh, wasn't going to be able to take him down. It just seems like, it seems like honestly, he's at the wrong weight class. I don't know if he has more weight to cut to go to 45 or if he needs to change. Like it, I, it just seems like he is going to be fighting an uphill battle at 55 here in the UFC. Yeah, Chris Duncan's big, but he's not even one of the bigger yeah. 50 guys at 55. And he, you know, 5'9", 68-inch reach, that should probably be at 145, like you said. Uh, I think he got his left arm kicked half to death by, like, the second round. So he pretty much had one hand to throw punches. 
the whole fight. So he was pretty, he was pretty much up against it no matter what. Chris Dunn got a couple takedowns. Um, he was mixing it mi- mixing it up pretty well. Uh, he's a pretty entertaining fighter. I can't wait to see his, who he gets next fight. He could be matched up uh, in, a, in a lot of bangers. He likes to really just let him bang. Yeah, I, I like his game. Uh, uh, after I mean, I kind of held it against him after he got almost uh, flatlined on the contender series, but twice. Yeah, he's um he he does have some skills, and he is a like you said a, a I mean not not that big, but he's a pretty big fifty fiver, you know. I mean, especially compared to guys like yeah Yanal. So uh, it was a good win for him. Bruno Brazil takes out the Irish upstart Sean Bannon. Uh, listen, Sean Bannon, I uh, got a word of advice. We need to work on those hands, all right? The kicks, they looked good. They did look good, all right? Those were kind of nice. She was firing off those leg kicks, and she did some stuff that was okay, but it just, uh, you know, you need a full game if you're going to be in the MMA, or in the UFC, I should say. And, uh, yeah, you know, shout out to Bruno Brazil. Yeah, other than that, she just, yeah, I mean, pretty much... She uh, she has good size. I mean, she her and, her and Bruno Brazil are pretty much the same size, but uh, she got taken down a couple times. Uh, her cardio looked kind of fine, honestly. Yeah, no, like she didn't look horrible. Good. I thought I was expecting. I guess because my expectations were so low that I was like, "Wow, like she's actually not as bad as I thought she was going to be." But yeah, still not. She good definitely enough. needs to work on her boxing. Yeah. I think her, her striking is very sloppy, but um, she won around on two judges' score or yeah, on two judges' scorecards. So. At least she didn't make, you know, look awful. I think Bruno Brazil is just kind of like, eh, you know, an average kickboxer. She hits hard, swings hard, but uh, I don't think she really has much of a ceiling. But, yeah. Yeah, I just would have liked to see better hands. More, uh, stand, like, not standing still, but kind of plant your feet every once in a while and stop trying to just run forward and throw those Juliana Pena punches. It's just not, mm. that's not a good recipe for success. Uh, how about Phil, uh, Philho? Your boy uh, took out your other boy, Daniel Barres. Uh, arm triangle. Three minutes into the first round. Uh, really was not that. I mean, I, I did not even expect it. I had the submission. Never expected it to look that kind of easy. And he really did make it look easy. Uh, I mean, what can you say? Yeah, he got, he got off to a brutal start. He got dropped twice, yep. I think, with, with body kicks. And then as soon as he was able to grab a hold of Barras, took him down easily, just got him right quick. He, he cinched up the arm triangle from the other side and just jumped to the other side so, so effortlessly. Yeah, the grappling was, uh, looked so easy for him. Uh, I mean... It just... We just got to work like on, just, str- <laughs> on, that, on that durability, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just don't strike for long, but... Um, brutal. Brutal. Quick. I mean, quick tap, quick... Um, position just get, getting mount like snap of a finger. I was watching. I'm like, all right, all right, let's work our way up. Oh fuck, it's over. Like <laughs> in, the, in the span of two seconds. So, um, yeah, that was that was that was pretty special, honestly. Yeah, uh, but I don't know if we'll be able to do that against all competitors and all comers. So, uh, but hey, that was UFC London. Uh, Tom Aspinall gets fifty thousand for a performance at night. Uh, that's probably you know well deserved. Uh, Paul Craig, he gets 50000 for his domination of Andre Muniz. And fight of the night was Danny Roberts and Johnny Parsons. I don't know. I mean, that just kind of shows you what we were really looking at here. 
uh, as opposed to you know in regards to fight of the night, there really wasn't many options. If that's the one they went to, I I would probably I mean. I thought Nathaniel Wood and Feely was a better fight than this, but yeah, they knocked each other down. Yeah, you uh, know, I it, it went the full distance. I don't know. I, I just didn't. I didn't leave that Danny Roberts fight thinking, "Wow, well, what a what a fucking battle that was." It was just kind of <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, that's over." So, yeah. that's that for uh, for UFC London. Uh, that was kind of really all that happened this weekend, other than there was a little bit of boxing. Uh, I saw Cambosis fight. He kind of. I saw the the Oof. guy on the, on TV had him losing six rounds, or losing yeah. like losing a lot by a lot. It was like one seventeen, one eleven. Uh, yeah, he had uh, scorecards go in his favor. I think um, there was a one fourteen, one fourteen, a one fifteen, one thirteen, and one seventeen, one eleven. Everyone was saying that he probably lost, honestly, to Maxi Hughes. But when you're the A side, and this happens in boxing all the time, you get the uh, you get the decision. That's just kind of how it is. So. Um, I thought yeah, he was losing happened. too, but it was close. I thought it was close. Yeah, and like you said, yeah, it's a fight. Benefit of the doubt goes to the uh, to the guy. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, he was like a big favorite, so you know, I'm not surprised because I think he's kind of average. I mean, I know he beat Teofimo, but that was Teofimo's worst day ever. They run that back, he gets absolutely smoked by Teofimo. Um. So yeah, there was that, and then we had a little uh, boxing this morning, 8 a.m. I was watching it, and uh, it was just not even close. Naya the Monster, in a way, destroys Stephen Fulton in Japan. The the crowd was giving Stephen Fulton a standing ovation as he left the ring, which is awesome. I mean, the Japanese fans are awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen a KBO baseball game, but they are. They are. They get turned up. I, I just saw a walk-off the other day. A uh, former disgraced closer from the MLB, Roberto Azuna, gave up a walk-off home run, and the crowd went absolutely apeshit. It was pretty awesome to watch. So uh, Japan is on the is on the bucket list for sure. I would love to go to Tokyo one day. But, um, yeah, eight rounds. I think it was like the start, middle of the eighth. He hit him with a body shot and then a, a straight right. And then a left hook that sent him down. He got up, but he he didn't uh, he didn't stay up for long. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to him for moving down and Inoue moving up. But uh, I mean, that, he he's just a special talent. Probably one of the best, if not the best, boxer in the world. He's probably in everybody's pound for pound top three with Usyk and Spence or Crawford, whoever you prefer. Especially after this Saturday, I think the winner of that's probably the pound for pound number one. Um, but man, he's right there too. He's probably ahead of Usyk because Usyk's not really fighting. So and Canelo, you know, hasn't looked kind the of fallen off a little bit, yeah, in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I think he's probably getting. Uh, I think Carlos Tapalas next. He came into the ring, uh, and they had like a little, pretty much agreement to fight next. He's from, um, I think, he's from the Philippines. So. Um, I think he's like thirty six and three, if I remember correctly. I don't think he's going to win uh, at all. He's probably. I mean, there's not anybody that can really beat Inoue. Like I, I just. Yeah, like I don't skill know. for skill. I know. Like it's just too Marlin, much. Pa- so much power for a little guy, man. Like in Marlon Tapalis, not Carlos. My bad. No, you're good. Um, just so much tech. Like I, I, I did get to see a little bit of this today. I was. I woke up. To, to watch this and 
he just you know you could tell you kind of tell right away like oh boy this you know it yeah. always tends to the guy going up it seems like it always uh leads especially in boxing that that guy does better than the guy maybe moving down and cutting the extra little bit of weight that he he has to i, I don't know that's maybe my opinion but yeah, and he's probably going to be fighting a smaller guy in Topolis next. Topolis had uh, his last fight was an upset over uh, Muradon Akhmadaliev. So he's next up at 122. And then um, I, don't, I don't know if, if um, Inoue can go up to 126, but I can see. I mean, his power carries up to 122. I don't see why he doesn't you know, at least test his test his hand at 126, that's where things start to get interesting. The guy that fought in the co-main of this fight, my guy, Robesi Ramirez from Cuba, El Tlen, he, um, he beat Satoshi Shimizu and knocked him out in five rounds. That was, he, I mean, he walked all over this guy. Um, after losing his pro debut, he has ripped off 12 straight dubs, uh, 13, I should say. So I think that could be a possible matchup in the future. Um, I think that's kind of why they put him in the co-main um, so that would be really good, man. Robesi is, he's, he's, he's tough, man. Once you start moving up, that would be his fifth weight class. If you want a belt in 126 would be insane. I mean, he's kind of like the modern day Manny Pacquiao, just a little, you know, a little bit smaller. He's not on the steroids. That Manny was on, so, whoa, whoa. Come um, on, show some you know, respect. Maybe, yeah. Well, no, thanks. <laughs> when he tore his labor and came back in like two months, I'm like, uh, it seems a little fishy, you know. He's like, "Yeah, I was swimming in the salt water of uh, the coast." I was like, "Sure, I'm sure that's what did it." Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about Inoue. His, his power, his combination of power and speed is pretty much unmatched. I saw a lot of people uh, on our timelines discrediting him in this uh, build-up to this fight. And I was like, "Oh man, that's tough." I know he hasn't really beat anybody. But there's not really anybody to beat, and whoever he's fought. He fought No Nino Donaire, kind of in his prime, kind of not. And he beat him, and then he fought him again and absolutely stepped on him in the second round. So uh, he's, he's pretty much treating everybody with uh, the same the same uh, you know same result, I guess, as uh, all of them. Well, that was this weekend's action, plus Tuesday's action. We have a UFC pay-per-view this upcoming weekend that we will have to do a show about uh we might have to do it on thursday because i do have a little bit of a i have i am going to a concert on friday uh, night shout out to luke Combs. i don't know really anything about country or anything but the the ticket was purchased for me so i was like all right i'll go you know i still have to pay for it but i just didn't agree to it (laughs) you know that's a whole ordeal but i am going so uh we will probably have a show out on thursday uh, barring any sort of setback or any sort of uh, problems. But we will have a full breakdown of the Poirier-Gaethje-BMF title fight. And then they have a co-main that's not a title fight but should be between Jan Blahovich and Alex Pajeda. So, uh, you know, this has got a, uh, this is a card with a lot of, uh, you know, interesting names on there. We will give a full breakdown. This has got to be one of our quicker pods here, Ty. This was just not much to really say here about the old London We're getting. We're getting ready for this weekend. I mean, we got at the same time we're gonna see AJ McKee and Patricky Pipple with Spence Crawford and Dustin and Justin running it back five and a half years later after their first fight. It's gonna be a, it's all pretty much culminating at the same time. Showtime, UFC. Uh, I don't know what the boxing match is gonna be on. I think uh, PBC on Fox. 
Those are a lot of uh, a lot of action. Three pay per view events, I believe. Um, I know you're going to be tuned into Bellator Horizon Two. Yeah, uh, the site the Saitama Super Arena. Um, Hell no. <laughs> uh, I will be watching the Poirier Gaethje fight. Uh, because that is the one that is the most exciting to me. But uh, is that um, the McKee and Patricky? Is that uh, yeah? What is what is that for? Is that like the is part of their their Grand Prix or something like that? Yeah, that the, one, the the one fifty five uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, he's gonna smoke Patricky. I mean, that's not even gonna be. Uh, yeah, well, he that's the uh, lesser brother, right? It's not. Yeah, Patricio. Yeah. Is, uh, okay, so it's hard to the keep lesser. up with all the pit bulls, but. Uh, Danny Sabatello getting in there against Magomed Magomedov. I don't know what that's going to look like, but who really cares? Yep. I'm not going to be watching this, so <laughs> I'll probably just look and see who wins after. Um, yeah, but like you said, we have a lot. There's a lot of go, a lot of shit going on this uh, this upcoming weekend, so we will have a full discussion and breakdown of that coming up later on in the week. Uh, for 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 now, this is this is uh, us departing, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, this is the end of the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast for this episode. I feel like I'm like, I, I must just was acting like this is the end of the podcast, but no, this is not. We're never <laughs> we're, we're never done. We're never done, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast brought to you by the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. Hi, I'm Ty Capone. As always. Got nothing, do you? You got nothing. <laughs> As always, make sure you change your sheets more than twice a month.